This is episode 022 of the Reno Slant. After a forgettable performance at New Mexico, Nevada got back in the win column tonight against San Jose State, and then we got a huge, huge weekend coming up. Welcome to the Reno Slant, the podcast for Northern Nevada sports fans, where an award-winning sports writer and his Nevada alum brother discuss Nevada football, Nevada basketball, and, well, pretty much everything else Nevada, except for the Loyalist Chicago tournament game. We don't talk about that. Here are your bro hosts, Adam and Nathan Schaub. It had to happen eventually. Nevada we figured was not going to go undefeated and that idea of going undefeated finally disappeared last week and then tonight or on Saturday I should say disappeared tonight Nevada opened a can of Wolfpack on San Jose that was a great line from Rich Waltz during the call and I'm for sure going to steal it now so Rich uh you're the man so Adam and I will share our thoughts on tonight's rebounding just dominant performance at least in the second half it was we're really excited about our guest this week, Kevin Sweeney. Kevin's the founder of CBBCentral.com. He's the host of the CBB Central podcast, the voice of the mid-major. I uh, had a great conversation with him. What does he make of the loss to New Mexico? How costly does he think it is? What does he make of Nevada's offense right now? I, I'm sure he liked what he saw in the second half tonight. How many more losses can this team take and still land in San Jose or Salt Lake, and we also talk about the UCLA vacancy and just the West Coast struggles in general. So again, a, a great chat with Kevin. And then we're going to look ahead to Fresno on Saturday and Boise on Tuesday, and that Fresno game suddenly is looking juicy. That, that's going to be a huge one early in Mountain West play. So you know we're going to do three things to know about each of those squads, the Bulldogs and the Broncos, our favorite players, keys to wins, and predictions for slants we're doing games of the weekend it's divisional weekend we're gonna give out some betting picks once again for those of you who faded my picks last week that's a bummer you lost some money i went uh, three for four last week and then we're gonna go road tripping with chad hartley once again we're double dipping we're going to fresno and boise some really good recommendations i know that the strength in the pack group two sending two buses down uh, to Fresno, which really is incredible. Twitter questions. Yes, we're going to talk about Malik Henry verbaling to Nevada. Um, movies in Reno, all sorts of good stuff in Twitter questions. And then random Reno to wrap up the show. But first, we got our iTunes five-star review of the week. It comes from MW, the tax lawyer. Living in Las Vegas, I'm inundated by sports talk about our rivals. The terrible, not-to-be-named Red School. Can't wait for this show every week to get my weekly Wolfpack fix and drown out all the idiots in my office. <laughs> you guys are getting so awesome with, with, with these reviews. We absolutely love them. Um, so please uh, make sure you leave an iTunes review. MW, the tax lawyer, shoot us your Venmo handle or Venmo username, and we'll shoot you a buck. Uh, we appreciate the love for certain. So, dude, we'll, we'll jump in the San Jose State game. Uh, we've been doing some catching up the last couple of days, but we didn't. I didn't even ask you. You were in LA this weekend. What were you doing down in LA? Uh, so my girlfriend, she's getting ready for a class. Uh, she's taking a month long at University of Laverne, some small D three Catholic school. Laverne, we played Laverne in baseball all the time. You, you played Laverne, yeah, we know uh, Laverne. In, uh, West Covina, I think, is down was the actual little suburb yeah. it's in or whatnot, but. Yeah, so I was cruising down there. It was actually pretty sick. Um, 
Friday, I flew in after work, and now uh, my days are all mixed up, and I'm trying to remember exactly what was going on. Friday, I, th- I can't remember what I did on Friday, but Saturday was kind of the, the big one. We went to the LA Kings game right. and um, just got hooked up with seats. It was awesome. You know, we were sitting in the family section, so it was like, you know, the one of the Kings players' dads was sitting right in front of us. A couple of the wives were around, you know, kids were, it was just, it was a fun little experience. <laughs> and then Sunday, yeah, Sunday cruise around the school, and but nice little weekend trip to L.A. Those are always not too bad. You you cracked me up on Twitter though because you were obviously at the game while the disaster at the pit was happening, and so mm-hmm. after the game's over, like Twitter Nevada Twitter is having a meltdown, and then you tweet like, "I just saw what happened in New Mexico," or "I just saw the score." What happened in New Mexico, or something like that. <laughs> it was so, it was something like. Something along the lines of like, I'm at the Kings game. What the hell happened in the pit or something? Yeah, something like that. Because <laughs> I was telling you after the game, I swear to God, I saw the score and I thought I was like, I was like, okay, I know I didn't have that many vodka sodas. I'm like, my mix needs Ah, there are a lot of people who wish that that's what was what was happening. Their phone was mm-hmm. drunk, but no, that was uh that was very real. So, um, we're not gonna reminisce on that too much. Let, let's talk about tonight. Nevada, the first half wasn't great. It was a nine point game at halftime. And then the second half was a completely different story. 92-53 win. Nevada's now 15 and one. Pretty nice bounce back for the boys. Uh, what's something that you took away from tonight's effort? Um, I'm gonna start off with the defense. Just kind of some of the numbers they were able to hold San Jose State to. So everything, looking at these kind of stat lines, you know, everything's kind of take with a grain of salt because, San Jose State is, I mean, we did have a segment called San Jose State's Bad. Yeah. Uh, so field goal, I mean, I mean, we'll start off that they forced 22 turnovers, mm-hmm. which is crazy. Then you got them holding right about 40% on the field goals, shooting under 30% from three. They didn't have very many free throws, but from when they did, I mean, they shot 33%. I can't remember exactly what it was. I think they were two of six that's on good. free that, throws. That's just, that's just good free throw defense. That's what I'm saying. It's the intimidation factor, really. Mm-hmm. So the fan base, 10,400 on a, on a Wednesday night. That's the, that's the defense the fan base was playing as well. <laughs> uh, for me, it just felt like the team needed that. Not mm-hmm. to beat San Jose State, but to dominate San Jose State. And yep. the first half was uncomfortable. I mean, they're, they're only up nine. It was 32 or, 32-23, I think the score was. Yeah. And it it crossed my mind, like, something might legitimately be wrong here. Yeah. Like, off the New Mexico performance, we were expecting them to come out and just blitz them. And started well, you know, went up 7 nothing in a blink of an eye, and then it was kind of even from that point on. So I just think from a confidence standpoint, the team needed that coming off New Mexico. Yeah. And I, I even said it on Twitter, it just looked like they were playing with swagger again. They, they just kind of had that, that, that look to them, that mm-hmm. feel to them. And Caleb went ballistic in the second half. Jordan Caroline threw down a duck, a dunk from the Mountain West logo. Um, <laughs> it was obscene. So, um, it just feels a little bit like, okay, yeah. we're, we're, we're back. Well, like, I mean, like you're, like you're hinting at, I mean, say San Jose State keeps this game close. I think a lot of people would be preparing for the press conference and something to happen, like us to get maybe another little piece of the puzzle of some sort of maybe internal issue that's going on with the team. I mean, that I was getting that same kind of sense. Like if they don't pick it up, 
we're gonna find out real soon that what's wrong. Oh, if if they would if yeah, if they come up short tonight, I can't. Oh man, it it makes me nauseous to think, to think yeah. about what what, so, what that could have been like the aftermath. So let's not. Um, let's, let's not. Yeah. So what what else you got? Corey Henson. Yeah. Thirty two minutes shooting over sixty percent from the field. Just under 50% from three, three of seven, seven assists, four steals, 15 points. What a night. I mean, that's – maybe I missed the whole introduction that Musselman hinted that he was going to play a lot. I was not aware that he no. was going to be – because, I mean, that is nowhere in the realm of the minutes he's been seeing all season. So yeah. it's just nice. And I think especially a player like that who's been kind of struggling to get minutes and get on the court, I think that was kind of like a sl- – you know, solidifying factor for not only the fan base, but I think for him too, because you know, sure, the minutes he, the minutes he had played in the beginning of the season, they hadn't been super impressive. and missed some open shots, missed some threes, but I think that in a game like this, when you're playing an opponent that's you know a, da- a down team, you're not you know this isn't a game that we were necessarily too worried about. Right, but th- that was I think that's a good move on Musselman's part is to slide one of these kind of alternative guys that haven't played a whole lot and get them some serious, get them some minutes. Yeah, Chris had reported that they were messing around with, lay. I think it was Chris, that they were messing around with lineups in practice. So it okay. wasn't an extreme surprise. I mean, it was the first time that Muss had gone with a different lineup. I mean, the, the surprise was that Caleb didn't start. Um, yeah. So Caleb and Trajan come off the bench, income. Uh, Corey Henson, Jordan Brown, and what was kind of cool in the post game press com- or the pro- post game interview of uh, Muss with with Pat Gillen, Muss said that it was actually Caleb's idea. It was Caleb's oh. idea to come off the, come off the bench, and basically he said he's like, "Look, these dudes are working their butts off in practice every day. I can't make a shot right now. I'm struggling, and, and they deserve to get their minutes." And that's a t- that's a, that's a team guy. You want to talk about a fifth year senior All American? Like there it is. Like that's incredible, yeah. and for him to have the resolve, then because you know he was frustrated. And I, I said, like, it crossed your mind. It had to at, at halftime. You're like, man, what is going on with Caleb right now? I mm-hmm. think I think it was Pack Hoops who says like he has the yips. Like it, yeah. it legit looks like he has the yips. He was zero for five in the first half. Um, so some numbers that means in his last seven and a half games, so at halftime, the last seven and a half games. He was 18 of 75 from for, from three. That's 24%. And then he goes six of six in the, in the second half. Yeah. And it was awesome for to see Caleb go off. You know that it felt good for him to start seeing mm-hmm. the ball go in the hoop. Like I said, just getting that swagger back a little bit. Personally, I loved seeing the lineup change. It felt like something needed to change. It got a little stagnant. And I, we said that a few weeks ago. So it was nice mm-hmm. to see it happen. Tonight was the night to do it at home, coming off a loss against San Jose State. Um, this was the time to do it. And you mentioned Corey Henson. He took advantage, 15 points, three of seven from deep, seven assists, four steals. He was everywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jordan Brown, eight points, seven rebounds. Um, and with that starting lineup, as I said, they started hot, seven, seven nothing run to start the game. And then the rest of the first half wasn't so inspiring, but, uh, clearly the lineup change paid off and it was, you hit the nail on the head. It was great to see Corey contribute and be, we'll see now. Like, did he earn yes, a, yeah. a bigger spot in the rotation? We're going to find out right away, you know, on Saturday when they go to Fresno. Uh, that was without question his, his best game of the year. Yeah. Very impressive. Very impressive. Another part too, just because we talk about gambling, 
This is the part I could not believe it that the over under hit right on the nose. Wow. Tip it was one it was one forty five. And if you do the math, yes, I am an accountant and I had to use a calculator. Ninety two <laughs> plus fifty three is one forty five. So I mean, crazy push on the over under, but the other thing I was thinking too, because I was looking before the game, kind of seeing what the public was thinking and what some of you know the people I follow on Twitter and some of these websites were thinking about this spread. And a lot of people were leaning San Jose State. And if you were at halftime, you're probably feeling, feeling pretty good. good. Only down, only down nine. You're like, all right, you know, double that, eighteen. I got twenty-seven and a half. And oh my gosh, I could only imagine <laughs> if I had San Jose State plus twenty-seven and a half, how many things would be broken in my house? Yeah. Yeah, second half was a landslide. I mean, a couple more quick things. I mean, we talk about, I mean, how do you beat a zone? And mm-hmm. we want to see Nevada move the ball more offensively. And must even talked about it, uh, in the, in the post game, uh, interview. He said it after the Utah game as well, but he said it tonight after the game. He said at halftime, we had 101 passes and they are moving the ball pretty well offensively. They just had, they got a little ahead of themselves at times. And mm-hmm. they missed a couple shots. In the second half, it was the same thing, though. I mean, they're, the ball was zipping around. They're finding the open shooter. Like that's what we're used to seeing with this Nevada offense. Yeah, like, that that we they've gotten away from that the last couple of weeks. So it, it was well, good to see. Certainly, what? Yeah, you definitely see that. I'm just saying, it kind of like revitalizes you as someone watching. It's like, all right, it's it's in there. You know that that's still there. We haven't you know haven't seen it necessarily to to execution standards, mm-hmm. but it is nice when you see that. That's what we envisioned at the start of the season. Those who thought that Musk would actually go to a eight or nine man rotation. I mean, <laughs> there are some of us on this podcast who didn't believe that, but with the talent this team has, I mean, guys contributing everywhere. Yeah. Um, so fun, fun man- night at Lawler. Oh, what else do you have? I was going to say one man down, next one up. Yeah, for certain. So a fun, fun night at Lawler. Good to see Nevada bounce back after a, Really head scratching performance at New Mexico. Um, hopefully tonight can help springboard this team to a strong, strong run through conference play. Let's kick it now, uh, to our interview with Kevin. Some great stuff from him talking about his website, his podcast, because, um, it really is amazing what he's built in a short amount of time. And then obviously we talk about Nevada and the West Coast in general. What is going on? And you know that we ragged on Larry Scott a little bit too. So <laughs> a great chat with Kevin. Kevin, dude, so so glad we can make this happen. Uh, podcaster to podcaster, your podcast is is relatively young. Uh, I guess what's working for you right now? I think for me and, and Brad, the biggest thing is just we really we're really more focused just on the content, uh, and we want we really want it to come across as just two dudes rambling about hoops and hopefully giving <laughs> you some some entertaining thoughts that we think about college basketball still kind of bringing in that analysis you might not get anywhere else yeah. so i think that's been that's been the fun part and working with brad's been great um hoping to keep it going sure so you started your website i think the when i saw it, it was february 2016 is that right yes indeed and then in october you eclipsed a hundred and thousand or a hundred thousand total views which is nuts um, just in terms of writing, is, is it a similar concept in what you're trying to do and the content you're trying to create create because it's working? Yeah. So I started in, in 2016, as you said, um, I was a, I was a junior in high school at the time and I was just, uh, honestly looking for something to say I had done, uh, <laughs> with my life that uh, thus far. And so I started it up writing little blogs every day, 
that has kind of transitioned to more, maybe less content every day just because, you know, life gets busier, but, yes. uh, more, more deep content when I have the time, um, writing, you know, ranking lists, you know, features, game recaps, whatever, I, whatever I can do. Yeah. It's really been, been awesome. It's opened a lot of doors for me, uh, with, with you know, connecting with people through Twitter, um, a lot of fans, a lot of you know, other writers, and it's been a lot of fun the last couple of years getting into the college basketball world, uh, mid-majors, high-majors, wherever it may yeah. be, uh, just covering the whole sport. You, you forgot to mention coming on the Reno Slant podcast. That's the biggest <laughs> honor yet. <laughs> now we're talking. So um, I don't know if you're familiar with, with the Mountain West Wire. Um, there's a blog out here in the Mountain West, and they have uh, their senior basketball writer is Eli Becker, who's also a student in college, and there are probably some people listening who just heard you say you started your website when you were a junior in high school, and their mind probably just blew. So h- how do you have time to do what you're doing, build the audience you're building, and still be a student? You're, you're a student. It's Northwestern, right? Yeah. So I'm a sophomore at Northwestern now, uh, and it's a lot of fun. A lot of pe- That's probably the number one question I get when, pe- when people ask me that I'm sure. in college. It's like, what do you, how do you fit it in? And, and for me, there's really no option but fitting it in. Like I, I consume so much like college basketball regardless that yeah. it's it's not that it's not I don't think it's that challenging for me to to fit it in now, obviously there are times when you know, I want to go you know hang out with my friends and instead I got to you know stay in make sure I get get a podcast done or get some writing done <laughs> uh go cover a game on a Saturday instead of go hang out with people but uh it's what I love doing and so I I, I find I find the time pretty much there you go have you ever said no to a social situation so you can so you can stay at home and watch a game I have, yes. Um, <laughs> that's, not, that's love then. That's love. Yeah. yeah. It, it's not, it's not super common, but mm-hmm. what really annoys my friends is when I like tell them I'm co- I'll come up and then I just watch my, watch basketball on my phone instead while I'm with them. Oh, there you and go. Like, you should have just stayed home. That's, <laughs> that's the big thing. Well, we'll get to some Nevada stuff here, but I'm, I'm fascinated by your website and, and the presence you've created for yourself. Uh, on the site, you celebrate being the voice of the mid-majors. You obviously know what you're talking about when it comes to high-major programs and conferences as well. But what made you want to go that route instead of talking Power 5 and speaking to maybe some larger audiences? Yeah, so I think the first thing was I knew that every college basketball writer, whether it was you know, Gary Parrish, CBS, Jeff Goodman, who was at ESPN at the time, John Rothstein, those guys were going to hit Duke in, in North Carolina pretty hard. But I thought as, as a fan of, of the mid-major game, that there was a lot of coverage that maybe was lacking that a lot of people wanted to see. So I thought there was a chance for me to maybe uh, bring coverage that people weren't seeing. Sure. Um, and, and then the other thing is I'm a huge mid-major basketball guy. I mean, I grew up and found a love for college basketball, watching you know, Sienna teams in the late 2000s as a kid from Albany, New York. And uh, those teams, was Fran McCaffrey as the coach, and they had some, some guys who wound up getting 10-day contracts in the NBA. They won a couple of NCAA tournament games. Uh, so I fell in love with that team for, by extension, then fell in love with the Mac, you know, not, not, not the best league in college basketball, certainly, but not the worst. <laughs> and then, yeah, all the Northeast mid majors, then starting the blog really started to branch out into all the mid major conferences, Missouri Valley, Mountain West, WCC, especially. Uh, and so, uh, it's just, it, it, it's something I really enjoy watching is just some of those smaller teams, smaller conferences, and certainly love, love, Nothing better than watching Duke in North Carolina, but I think when you when you can you know see a team like a Loyola Chicago last year, where mm-hmm. you know I watched them in November a couple times at their place and saw them build something and then go to the Final Four, I don't think anything really 
compares to that in all sports. Sure. So did you have like a brand identity crisis when you chose to go to Northwestern and not one of these mid-majors? I like to say Northwestern has a bit of a mid-major mindset. Oh, okay. Uh, because they, 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 they had never made the NCAA tournament until two years ago, obviously. Uh, they, they, they're kind of the perpetual underdog, both in football and basketball. They're the smart school that you know all the Big Ten schools kind of laugh at. So you get that mid-major vibe. It's a seven thousand seat gym uh, with 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 the high major money and the high major, obviously TV attention, et cetera. But yeah. uh, so 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 I still feel that that underdog mentality of a mid-major program, even though I'm in the Big Ten now. Fair enough. Fair enough. So let, let's get into it here. We're, we're recording Monday evening. Two days after Nevada's debacle at, at the pit, how much do you think that loss ultimately is going to hurt this team? I know we still got a lot of basketball left, but at least right now, how would you say that much? How much that loss hurts? I mean, it'd be crazy to say it doesn't hurt a lot because I mean, especially with kind of the mid-major bias we get in college basketball, losing by twenty-seven yeah. to a, a, a team that is probably not going to make the NCAA tournament in New Mexico is definitely not going to look good. I mean, for me, I've watched enough of this team to not, you know, throw all the alarms on just because of that game. And I've seen how good this team can be. I've seen how good they can be you know, as they've grown over the last few years. Um, but I definitely think it's a, it's a pretty concerning one. I think in the eyes of the committee, uh, come, you know, seating time, it, it's going to be, it's going to be one, that, a hurdle they'll have to get over. Uh, I think Nevada, it, it really sh- shortens the margin of error for me. Uh, with this team as they look to maybe be a top three seed. I think it's probably sure. the realist target at this point. So I think that's the biggest thing is just kind of trims the uh, the margin for error for this group. Mm-hmm. Um, every every team has bad games. That was just a really, really bad game. Really bad one, yeah. So that that game was kind of the exception because it, it was, it's been fascinating to follow. It was all about how talented this team was offensively, how many weapons they have. And we've seen the offense kind of struggle a little bit, and the defense has kind of carried the load. But we saw the defense take a step back or at least struggle at the pit. I mean, have you been surprised at all by some of the numbers Nevada's put up defensively? Yeah, a little bit. I think I think we all expected them to be a little bit better on the defensive end this year than they were last year. Obviously, adding the size with Porter and, and Brown on the inside helps a lot. And even like Thurman, uh, who can be your four-man instead of playing Carolina at the five, I think that's really valuable defensively uh, with their ability to switch and everything. But mm-hmm. at the same time, I think I think I don't think I expected them to be this good defensively. Um, they, before that New Mexico game, they hadn't given up more than seventy-one points since the uh, the UMass game, where UMass went nuts. Right. Uh, Nevada just also went nuts because UMass was pretty much a train wreck on defense. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I was really impressed with their defense against Loyola when I saw them live. Uh, I thought they were really. Just, just super solid. Porter really contained Cam Crutwig, who's really good, and uh, their length really bothered guys like Clayton Custer. I think that will translate to most of conference play, where you're playing especially teams that are a little bit smaller. New Mexico is a bit of the exception to the rule there, though, because they just have so much size and athleticism. I mean, you could argue that New Mexico has more raw talent on their roster than anyone that Nevada's played. I mean, Arizona State's got, got certainly has is probably the next best, and mm-hmm. USC as well. Where both guys, you know, Arizona State has Lugan Stewart, um, USC has Kevin Porter. I don't think he played in that game. I don't remember. I don't believe uh, so. Yeah, but both teams recruited pretty high level. With New Mexico with Bragg, who's a five star. You got Vance Jackson, who was awesome in that game after kind of being up and down so far this season. You've got Anthony Mathis, who can really score the ball. 
there, there's there's plenty of talent on this New Mexico roster, and I think uh, I, I think that you may you may overlook the, that talent because of the record. But right. uh, once this team clicks, I think they'll be fine. Do you think again we're two games in a conference season here, so we still got a lot of basketball to play? But from what you've seen when you when you watch Nevada, do you is, do you look and say, okay, maybe that defense is good enough? Because we've seen the offense. I mean, at, at some point, the offense is going to be a concern because we've seen it look sluggish for about a month and looked legitimately bad at New Mexico. So is the defense something you look at and say they can maybe hang their hat on that in March? I don't think the defense will be good enough that it's like a title-winning defense, like a, like a Virginia defense or a right. Michigan defense, where it's one of the nation's truly elite. But I think it's good enough to keep them in games in a way that, like last year when they didn't have the offense going, it was deep trouble because they weren't going right. to get enough stops. Right. And this year I think they can hang in games more uh, against high-level competition because they have the defense that they didn't have last year. Um, obviously, if they, if, they, if they look like they did offensively against New Mexico, they're not going very far this season, and right. no one expects that they will. But um, I, think, I think their defense is enough to keep them around. I don't think it's enough to win them a, uh, get them to the Final Four or anything like that. Yeah, fair enough. So you you mentioned it that you know getting a top three seed maybe getting a three seed is is maybe the goal at, at this point. New Mexico loss certainly helps again early in the season. The you know the reward of getting that is maybe you get a, a play in San Jose, maybe in Salt Lake. So if looking at the schedule, there's not a lot of good games out there for Nevada to pick up some resume wins. How many more L's do you think this team can maybe take to get one of those? two seeds, three seeds maybe? I think the max they can have is two more losses. Realistically, probably only one. Mm-hmm. Um, and I say that just because some of the wins that they have in the non-conference aren't really aging well. I mean, no. that Arizona State win, I think a lot of people thought that might be a game you could hang your hat on, especially after they beat Kansas. Arizona State then responds to that by losing to Utah, who is you know a solid team, no doubt, but not mm-hmm. probably an NCAA tournament team. And Princeton. Princeton, yeah. yeah. It's a bad one. So, I mean, I think the Arizona State and the USC wins in particular haven't aged as well as you thought they might. Loyola Chicago as well preseason, I think a lot of people thought would be pretty good. They're starting to turn things around in Missouri Valley play. They're 2-0 and so far. But I do not think that's going to be a win that holds significant resume weight. So since they won't have those quality upper-tier wins, to me, two losses max, probably only one if they want to keep that top three seed line. Yeah. All right, so this question is not... Uh, Nevada specific, but it's certainly Nevada related. What's going on at UCLA, that vacancy f- for a couple years now it's been, that would be a really attractive job you would think for must to go to. And depending on what national pundit you follow, it's either possible or it's not likely. Andy Katz today came out and said probably not likely. Big money at UCLA sounds like once Rick Patino. Do you think there's any possibility that actually happens? Yeah, so I was actually on the radio in Memphis with uh, Brett Norrisworthy out there. I do a weekly spot with them, and they asked me if they thought if I thought it was at all possible that Rick Pitino got this job. And I was like, yeah. I think there will be some big money behind it, but I don't realistically see it happening. Then the next day, Adam Zagori comes out with the report that there is, in fact, very big money behind <laughs> Rick Pitino at UCLA. And I was like, hi, I knew something. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't... I can't imagine a school of UCLA's, you know, stature nationally, not just as an athletic program, but you know, academically. They're they're yeah. a high level institution with you know great academic programs, and um, I think it would be a tough, tough sell 
of a guy with his care with Rick Pitino's proven character um, to, you know, ac- ac- the academic side of things to the president to the board of trustees. That said, money moves things in college basketball. <laughs> we all know that, which I think gets Rick a look. I don't think it winds up happening, but I don't think we should rule it out entirely. There's no way you can do that if you're UCLA. I, I'm baffled by the fact that it's even a talking point. Like, I, I'm, I'm baffled by it. <laughs> Has no one read a newspaper, watched the news, anything? They don't know who Rick Pitino is? Like, <laughs> I guess the thing is, like, until he paid – like, like we were fine hiring him until he paid Brian Bowen, which, like, Brian Bowen – like, paying Brian Bowen is nowhere near the worst thing he's done. Right. <laughs> like, like to me, like, I don't think the Brian Bowen – like, paying Brian Bowen thing is enough where, like, if you were willing to hire him before, you couldn't hire him now. Right. I guess it removes the doubt that he, you know, of, of some of the prior transgressions of cheating with the, uh, with the stripper scandal before that, that he may, he, he says he didn't know, but I think it's pretty clear he did know. <laughs> uh, like to me, to, to me, if, if all you're adding is Brian Bowen, you would have hired him before. I think you hire him now. Yeah. I don't think you can take the PR hit, which is the bigger thing, right. but I mean, he'd get them to the top quick. Yeah. I, I'm, I have no doubt he'd win. I don't have no doubt he'll recruit well. I don't know if he'd do it legally, but he would recruit well. <laughs> it's just scandal after sc- it, it would just be not it would not be a matter of if it would matter when it, it happens at UCLA. I mean, it's, it's yeah. at that point. So, who do you think ultimately gets that job? Who, who are some people who are maybe on your short list? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is who, who wants this job. Um, I've been on I've been pretty early on saying I think Earl Watson is, is a pretty strong candidate there. Um, Fred Hoiberg seems to want to – he wants to coach, is the report. Mm-hmm. He wants to coach in the NBA number one. And with the Timberwolves job just opening, I think that's one that he's interested in. And I know that the Timberwolves have some mutual interest there. I think Hoiberg will try for jobs like that first, maybe go back to UCLA if um, if he ha- if he has to. Saying he has to take the UCLA job is kind of crazy. But, I mean, that's where he is right now. He wants to be an NBA coach. Right. Um, I don't think they're going to get one of these you know, high-level names. Like, I don't think they're going to pull a Mike Bray. I don't think they're going to pull a Billy Donovan. Uh, two of the names that have been kind of floated around. Uh, to me, I think I think Earl Watson and Jamie Dixon are the, are the two clear choices for me that will likely want the job and mm-hmm. will, could likely get the job. Muss is obviously in there. Uh, obviously, I, I really trust Jeff Goodman's report that um, that he's not super high on. Uh, UCLA's list. Yeah, Goodman's been on that. He's he's been on that since jump. That that they must wasn't really on their radar, which is really interesting because yeah. obviously the transfer stuff. But I mean, you, if UCLA can get a guy who plays a fun brand of basketball, who's won like crazy at a mid major, and who has you know coached in the NBA, has the bloodlines. I mean, it makes so much sense. Other than the transfer stuff. Mm-hmm. And I guess the other thing would be you don't want to do you don't want to hire another Mountain West coach to coach UCLA since Alford didn't work out. I think that's a stupid, short-minded way of looking at things, but it's the things <laughs> that people look at. Um, right. So yeah, I mean, I trust Jeff's reporting, no doubt. Uh, we'll see how close Muss is in on that. I think I, I think he'd take it if he can get it, but I don't know if he'll be able to get it. So yeah, point blank, if you had to put a number, maybe some odds out there that. It does happen that Muss ends up leaving for the UCLA job. I don't want anyone listening to start crying right now, but like if you had to put a number on it, what what would you say is maybe the likelihood of something like that happening? I think before the season, if you had told me 
Muss is getting Muss is going to have this team where we expect it to be, so top fifteen, and um, UCLA is going to fire Alford. I would have said it was over fifty percent. Now I think it's twenty percent, okay. just with the buzz that 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 Goodman and some other people are putting out there. Right. I think at this point it doesn't look like he's the number one candidate there. I think Nevada's done a good enough job keeping him happy that he can he feels like he can stay and he doesn't have to just jump for any job right. let alone uh, obviously UCLA um is one of the elite jobs and if he can get it I think he'll take it but he doesn't have to just jump to a high major after this year because he's five seniors like mm-hmm. he has enough guys coming back he has enough guys that he can bring in that he doesn't need to just jump to any high major that opens this year well, a lot of people listening right now certainly hope that that's the case, that he'll, he'll be here next year because it's been fun with him in Reno. So just, just if you go West Coast at large, what what is going on right now? I mean, the Mountain West outside of Nevada is more or less a dumpster fire. New Mexico jumped up this week. The Pac-12 is – we don't need to go down that road. But, I mean, just generally speaking, what do you think is going on? Because right now the University of San Francisco is one of the best teams on the West Coast. <laughs> well, I'll first start by saying don't sleep on the Dons. They're excellent. <laughs> but otherwise, I mean, I I think the biggest – I attribute most of everything in college basketball to coaching because coaching, you know, it's recruiting, it's in-game, it's, you know, dealing with boosters. It's, it's all of that. And I don't think the coaching hires in the West Coast have been great over the last, you know, several years. I think the WCC has done a really nice job. Like Pepperdine going, going and getting Lorenzo Romar is a really nice grab. Mm-hmm. I think USF nailed Kyle, getting Kyle Smith. Uh, obviously Gonzaga has, has Mark Few and BYU has Dave Rose, who's really good. Randy Bennett stuck it, stuck it out at St. Mary's. But I mean, if you look at the Pac-12, which is getting the, the majority of the heat, I mean, Sean Miller can recruit. He's a decent coach. I don't have anything, any, anything wrong with Sean Miller. I think he's a really good coach. Obviously the FBI stuff notwithstanding. Uh, UC, <laughs> UCLA, uh, Steve Alford is is not a very good in game coach. He's proved that pretty much in his time at UCLA. I mean, USC has recruited at a high level. Andy Enfield appears not to be able to coach his way out of a paper bag. Uh, <laughs> Washington made a really nice hire in Mike Hopkins. He's going to do a great job, and and Bobby Hurley is doing a great job at Arizona State. Dana Altman has his guys with a down year at Oregon. He can recruit, but some of the other some of the bottom jobs in that conference, like Washington State, is a mess. Oregon State's a mess. I mean, these these yeah. these programs have to recruit better. They have to you know be coached better, and the recruiting stuff and and, and the spending is is really a concern because the Pac-12 is going to fall behind money wise. I know the uh, the report I think it was from Oregon Live was that because of the contract because of the TV contract stuff with the Pac-12 network decreasing visibility and stuff, um, the Pac-12 is going to make like twenty million dollars less per year per team in annual distributions for the next five years. So you're talking falling a hundred million dollars behind the big 10. Yeah. And, and so you're near recruiting against teams like in that league for players that matters. I don't think players are looking at budgets and be like, I want to go to the team that spends the most on basketball. But mm-hmm. obviously if, if you're spending more, more money on, on assistance, you're spending more money on charters, you're spending more money on everything uh, across the, across the board, you're going to be more successful. And I think the spending's going to have to come up for the Pac-12. That's the route I was hoping you were going to go. The, the coaching was a great point, but I was hoping you were just going to say Larry Scott. Like, Larry Scott's just the worst, and he's the reason. <laughs> yeah. I mean, eight, 80s work down uh, – I mean, conference directors go to, work down to 80s, 80s work down to coaches. And when we've seen leagues have trouble with football and basketball in the past, what they've done is the athletic the, – the head of the conference has gotten in a room with 
the co- with the coaches, with the athletic directors, and with the presidents, mostly the athletic directors and presidents, and said, spend like you want to win. Mm-hmm. It's not that hard. And <laughs> it's worked. Like, the ACC did that, and it worked. I think that's what the Pac-12 needs to do. I know they're, like, hiring a, a PR firm. They want to bring in private equity. Like, that's just covering up the problem. It's your problem. You've yeah. created the problem. Larry Scott, man. He's not Ugh. good. Not good. <laughs> <laughs> Preaching, man. You you are preaching. So, Kevin, great, great stuff from you. Seriously. Uh, real quick, plug your stuff. How can people follow you? Yeah, so you can follow me on Twitter. That's where I you know, really post all my content, at CBB underscore central. Uh, also, I have my website, CBBcentral.com, where I, you know, any any types of writing that I write will be over there. And then my podcast, the CBB Central podcast, uh, with my bra- man Brad Cavallaro, is mm-hmm. on uh, Apple. It's on Spotify, Google Play. Uh, a few other spots that's linked in the, tw- in the Twitter bio as well. So check all those out. Uh, appreciate you having me on. Yeah, dude, of course. So so what's next? Like you got a couple uh, more years still, but what's after Northwestern? I mean, I, I've joked that I want to be the next Jeff Goodman. Uh, so, Jeff, if you're listening, I'm coming for your job. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'm just, just trying out a bunch of different things. Like on a, on Wednesday night, I'll be on a play-by-play for Me- Northwestern Men's Basketball in Iowa. So trying out some play-by-play stuff. Gotten to do that this season. Uh, done, you know, Twitter, just trying trying to produce basketball and really all sports content yeah. in as many ways as I can. Yeah. So trying things out, feeling it out, and uh, hopefully finding some success. Awesome. Well, you are having success, man. So congrats on all of it. Uh, appreciate you coming on, and good luck the rest of the season. Thanks. You too, my man. Really appreciate Kevin coming on. Some really great stuff from him, and uh, hopefully he's right about uh, Musk not going to UCLA, or at least saying that it's not likely. <laughs> that would be nice. That would be nice. All right, so let's jump into some previews here. A big, big two-game road swing coming up for Nevada, starting at Fresno on Saturday night. Tip at 5 o'clock on ESPN2. The Bulldogs are 11-3, and 2-0 before tonight's – they were that before playing Utah State tonight – uh, bro, what's something we need to know about the Bulldogs? I backtrack a little in the last season to start it off. Uh, oh, of they course. finished. Yep, it's what I do. It's what I do. They're 21 and 11 to start it off, but they ended up finishing fourth in the Mountain West, and then they earned their third straight trip, um, or their third straight top four seeding to the Mountain West tournament. So it's a team that's been up to the top. They, you know, they can play Nevada tight. Um, it's going to be a good one, but that's my first stats basing it off what they did last season. So you like to look back to last season with the first one. I usually like to look at some metrics. So before tonight's game, Fresno was 63rd per Ken Palm and 71 uh, per the net slash rim. And as long as Fresno stays top 25 in the net, it's going to be a quad one game. Nevada does not have a quadrant one game right now. You have some games that are close. Loyola was at 75, but they got their butt kicked tonight by, I don't know, Evansville, I think. So they're going to drop. They were, they're only three away. Utah State entered tonight at 39. And because that game was in Reno, they need to get all the way up to 30 if that's to be a quadrant one game. So this would be Nevada's first quadrant, quadrant, quadrant one. There it is. Game there as, we go. as it stands. However, if Nevada wins on Saturday, it's likely they'll drop at least a couple spots. And then ironically, it'll be a quadrant two win. Classic. That's how it works. 
Um, in the last 46 games, Fresno is 43 and three when shooting at least 50% from the field. That includes five and oh this season. So it is a team that when they do have a good night, they do not lose. Then playing at home, you know, that, that, was, that was well said. When they have a good night, they don't lose. When they score, <laughs> yeah. they're, they're undefeated when they score more points than the other team. Yeah, exactly. When the scoreboard has a higher number, they t- tend to win. Um, <laughs> But that does include, I'll go back again to last season, when they played Nevada, they lost 80-65 to and also 102-92. Mm. So last last season, though, they did struggle against the pack. Fresno is, I don't want to say a surprise this year. You lose Rodney Terry, you have a new coach, they brought a ton of new guys, and I don't think a lot of people really knew what to expect of Fresno. They're always going to be one of those teams that are there. They're second mm-hmm. in the Mountain West in scoring, averaging over 79 points per game. Nevada is first at 80 points per game. That's coming into tonight. Uh, they're second also in points allowed per game, allowing less than 66 points per game. It's just, it's half a point behind Utah State. Um, so that Fresno-Utah State game, big one. Uh, they're second in scoring margin, uh, just behind Utah State. They're outscoring opponents by 13.8 point, points per game. As I mentioned, it's just been a really impressive job by Justin Hudson in his first year. They were picked fifth in the preseason poll, and right now they're looking like one of the best teams in the Mountain West behind Nevada. Um, so at least it's nice to see Fresno picking up the slack with teams like New Mexico and San Diego State and Boise certainly struggling out of the gate. Their best win Probably a routing Northwestern earlier this year. Northwestern came in tonight with a net of 51, and that was a 78-59 win on a neutral court in at Cal State Fullerton around Thanksgiving time. So they do have a win over a Big Ten program, uh, which is nice. Doesn't hurt. I'm doing a verbal retweet. I was going to touch on the scoring offense and scoring defense being top two in the Mountain West, so... My third point. That's that's the that's the downside of us not talking about our notes prior. But yeah, I had the same one. <laughs> they have a two-headed monster in six-four redshirt senior guard Braxton Huggins and six-two senior guard Deshaun Taylor. Huggins is averaging seventeen point eight points per game. Taylor is averaging seventeen point four points per game. So those two alone are scoring over thirty-five points per game on average. Huggins is the shooter. Of the two, he's the 38% three-point shooter, 38 of 99. So not only is he accurate, but he shoots at a high volume. Taylor is less of a perimeter threat, and he's much more of a guard who attacks the rim, uh, goes at goes at the big guys, and he's shoots a ton of free throws. And he's a good free throw shooter, aiding, shooting 83% from the line this year. That's pretty stout. Who is your favorite player on the Bulldogs roster? Six eight junior forward Nate Grimes. Great first name. He, yeah, not too bad. But um, last season he finished uh, third in the nation in total rebounds per minute. Interesting little stat you don't hear very often. He had point four four rebounds per minute played. Thought wow. that was a little interesting. And then, but I also have a beef with him because a little fat, fun little tidbit about him was his favorite athlete is NBA player LeBron James because Grimes believes he is the GOAT. That's right. You're, you're anti-LeBron. We have not established this yet on the podcast. It's something that's certainly going to come up in April when the NBA playoffs roll around. Mm-hmm. For shame. Can't stand him. 
Can't stand him. We'll save the conversation for another day, but can't stand him. Yeah, we're going to have some fun arguments in April because you know that I'm Team LeBron. I'm Team LeBron. My guy, I think we had to be careful with with this this week because last week when we were t- talking about the New Mexico game, we both picked Anthony Mathis, and he went ballistic. He scored 27 points, and um, I don't want to – that. We've been that's that's the first time it's happened this year where our favorite player just went bonkers and killed. I mean, there are you could go a million different directions on things that hurt us in that game, but he was one of them. And I don't know if you saw playing UNLV the other night. He had a terrible game. <laughs> I I saw that. Law of averages, big law of yeah. averages guy. So we gotta be careful. I'm going with six six junior freshman or junior forward. I should junior freshman, junior forward, junior freshman. Nice. <laughs> Something stupid we said. Junior forward Christian Gray. Christian is one of only five guys on the roster to play in every game this year. I went with him, though, because he's probably the least likely to go off for 27 on Saturday. (laughs) I was figuring we were going in that direction. He's averaging two points and three boards a game. If he goes off, if he has a big game, we may have to discontinue favorite player on the other roster. I was about to say shut it down, restart the operation. <laughs> they have to. Uh, keys to victory in this one. I'll let you start. Uh, you touched up on him, Braxton Huggins, just an absolute animal. Um, he's shooting 42% from the field uh, from the stats I was seeing on ESPN. And the thing that I also saw was crazy is he's number one on the team with in attempts and shot attempts with 188. Number two has 116. Wow. So he is just shooting the ball way more. So from looking at that for shots attempted, I mean, contain him, number one. Yeah. I talked about this on Twitter. I'm going to be that guy. I said it on Twitter. I talked about it on Twitter a little bit before the New Mexico game. I said the start to this game is going to be really interesting because New Mexico had a lot to play for on Saturday. They they were 2-0 in conference. They've had to listen to everyone and their mom talk about the comeback in 2016. And – um. A chance to get back in Nevada, obviously. And they're going to be at home. They're going to have the crowd going crazy. And, again, mm-hmm. 25 different things went wrong for Nevada in that game. One of them being yeah. they reverted back into some of the things that we saw early in the season where the, the start was just blah. And you heard Musk talk about it after the game. And I, I love how candid he can be. He really went after the team's effort. And you could see yeah. it. Like, Nevada just did not look – into that game, which is surprising because we've seen Nevada play in some tough environments already this year. And this, I mean, the core, Caleb, Cody, Jordan, have played in a lot of tough environments. So to see them play as poorly as they did out of the gate was a really bad sign. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's going to be another tough environment on Saturday. It's we're, it's going to be every single road game this year. It's going to be something to watch is how does Nevada come out of the gate? Because they've started slow and now you're going to be playing in tough environments. You can't start slow against this Fresno team. The slow starts eventually were going to kick Nevada in the butt, and they did at New Mexico, and we cannot do it again on Saturday. The Bulldogs are incredibly tough to beat at the Save Mart Center. They're 60-13 and 13 going back to the 2014-2015 season. So I'm, I'm really excited to see, really curious to see how Nevada comes out of the gate in this one because we, we, we can't do what we did mm-hmm. against New Mexico. It's not going to work. Uh, my, my next one, it's going to be kind of – you know, play with the play with the label you got. We, you know, we're we're the bad guys of the conference. Everybody hates us. We're going to be the team that you know everybody wants to be. Everybody's going to be going after. 
So I'm going to say play into that role. You know, like you said, you could definitely see mm. some quit. I mean, you could see some quit in the last last game or maybe maybe not quit, but definitely lack of effort. Yeah. But I'm going to say mesh into it. I mean, you know, we got, it's a very likable squad if you're from, you know, you know Muss is a great guy. The players are nice. There's nobody's really out there that, can, you know, that you could really dislike on the team. But in the rest of the conference, we're disliked. So I'm going to say play into that. Fresno's 8-1 at home this season. Be the ba- be the bad guys, ruin it for them. I like it. Be the bad guys. Mm-hmm. I like and that I mean, a lot. And almost and almost now, I mean, it's kind of almost a stretch, but you can play now with a chip on your shoulder. They got the loss. We were we were eyeing the undefeated season. Now just smack the rest of the conference. A number of guys have talked about the loss to Washington exhibition loss that that provided a spark. And you heard, I think it was Jazz Johnson talking to Margulies after the game, saying, I don't want to say we got complacent, but we didn't bring it tonight. Then the energy, the fire wasn't there. So may, hopefully, I mean, everyone's going to say that that loss provides a spark. We'll see. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that. Be the bandits. Bandits of the Mountain West. Yeah. Let's do it. Uh, my thing is, make some shots, please. Just New Mexico on the road. We don't need to keep talking about the struggles this team has had shooting the ball for the last month or so. Uh, 50 for 180 they are from their their last uh, six, seven games, I think, before the game tonight from deep, and that's less than 28%. They were four for 22 from three against New Mexico. And Fresno is a team that is really good defending the perimeter. They lead the Mountain West, holding teams at 29% from deep. So it's not like it's going to be an easy task to go in there and go hit some jumpers, but it mm-hmm. would certainly be nice to do that and loosen up the defense because guess what defense Fresno is going to play? They're going to come out in a zone. So try, yep. try to break that thing up early. Do you have another mm-hmm. one? Nah, I said those two. Last thing I got is hang on to the basketball. 16 turnovers versus Utah State, 14 turnovers versus New Mexico. That's sloppy. It's 30 turnovers in two games. This is a Nevada team that takes a lot of pride in hanging on to the basketball. Um, forcing other teams to beat them, and that hasn't been, that wasn't the case in, the, in those two games. Certainly not against New Mexico. Um, still, the turnover margin is is pretty good. Um, they are averaging ten turnovers a game before or they are now. They, it was around like eight, I think, at some point this season. And Fresno, again, plays into Nevada's weakness at least as of late here statistically. They force fifteen point four turnovers per game. That also leads the Mountain West. So hang on to the those are stats you don't want to be hearing. Hang on to the basketball. What do you got for a prediction here? Eighty four seventy nine pack. Eighty four seventy nine. So relatively high scoring. You got to win it by five. Yeah, definitely a couple points more than I have been have been predicting. This feels this feels like a really really important game for Nevada. Really really Mm -hmm. important game. The swing game thing is. It's cliche at this point. If Nevada goes to Fresno and loses that game, that's at least two conference losses already with all the hype. And then it's easy for this thing to go south. Jordan Brown starts complaining about minutes. Nisre and Corey Henson are saying, what, what's going on here? I mean, you could see it happening. I don't want to play oh, the yeah. doomsday scenario, but you could see that happening. This is an important game. If they can win this game, it feels kind of like it could be a springboard game. New Mexico was a complete letdown, and now you go to Fresno. The place can be bouncing. You pick up a what would be a huge conference win. It feels like it could really be a 
All right, that was the game where it clicked. Because I, I yeah. thought I thought maybe the Loyola Chicago game could have been that. That was one of their most complete games of the year, and that sprung board that that stretch of games away from Lawler. This could be that game for a conference play. This is a big, big game coming up on Saturday. And if they're if Nevada's going to be a two seed, going to be a three seed in the NCAA tournament, they have to win this game. They have to win mm-hmm. this have to win this game, and. Fresno's in a similar situation that New Mexico was on Saturday. They're starting to get some ideas with the start that they're off to. Uh, it's just going to be a really, really big game on Saturday. I've said it a million times, but it just is. I got Nevada 73, Fresno 71. I think it's going to be close. I think Nevada finds a way to pull it out. Um, little mail bite, little mail biter. Pivotal, pivotal game early, early in conference play for Nevada. Okay. This, this is fun. First time in Reno slant history. We're going to take a break. Hey, Wolfpack Nation. I'd like to talk to you about strength in the pack. Winning does not happen on accident. It comes from great coaches, top recruiting, and a top 25 infrastructure. That's the reason Strength in the Pack was created, a community-based nonprofit with the sole purpose to help the Wolfpack build top 25 athletics through small donations starting at just $7.75 per month. So be part of the growing movement that has donated over $180,000 to Wolfpack Athletics. Join today at strengthinthepack.org. Go Pack! So shout out to everyone who's a member of Strength in the Pack right now, and especially the guys who are everyone who's making the trip down to Fresno on Saturday with Strength in the Pack. That's super cool. Uh, hopefully Nevada has a little bit more of a presence in the arena on Saturday because they could probably use it. And then Nevada, I mentioned, huge two-game road swing. Pretty quick turnaround at Boise on Tuesday night, 6 o'clock tip on CBS Sports Bro when you were clicking around. What's something we need to know about the Broncos? Let's go backwards. <laughs> they have won the last three of their four games. They also got a game, so as we're recording this, they'll play San Jose State before, so mm-hmm. most likely going to be four of five. And always playing Boise is going to be tough, you know, just in the history the history between the two schools. But I'm going back. They're kind of rolling hot right now. They're picking up. You know, they're under 500, but the team's trajecting up. I'm going to do the same thing. I'm going to do my shtick to start this. Boise's seven and eight. 2-0 in the Mountain West Conference. Ken Palm has him at 120. Net doesn't like him as much. They're at 155 there. So this is a Quadrant 3 game. Relatively close to Quadrant 2. They need to get down to 135 for this to be a Quadrant 2 game. And the way Boise has looked so far in conference, including smacking San Diego State, you would hope that they can maybe get past that threshold. And this, by the time the year's over, is a Quadrant 2 game. Really, we've talked about some disappointing teams in conference play so far this year, or in the Mountain West Conference this year. Boise is absolutely one of them. I mentioned that seven and eight at this point. Um, their wins here. Here's who they've beaten this year: Jackson State, Saint Bonaventure, Central Washington. Go Wildcats! <laughs> some, are they some fun times in college at Central? Oh my God! Some fun, fun times at Central. By the way, for everyone who loved Four Locos, the OG Four Locos, Central Washington University is the university responsible for them taking caffeine out of those things. There's, You're there's, welcome. There's a fun fact for you. Uh, Alabama State, Pacific, Wyoming, and San Diego State. That's who they've beaten this year. Okay, those are national powerhouses, so I don't know what you're talking about. Correct. Especially Central Washington. The pride <laughs> of Ellensburg. Uh, so it's just been a rough go for the Boise, for Boise since losing Chandler Hutchison. Uh, with the Bulls now drafted 22nd in the first round last year, 
getting a lot of time uh, with with the Bulls this year. And I I mentioned that San Diego State win is is their best win of the year so far, and that was a beatdown, eighty eight sixty four. That one was in Boise. That was a season high for points. Um, they'll play San Jose State on Saturday, so likely they'll be eight and eight, three and zero in Mountain West play going into that one. Uh, but all all in all, uh, a brutal non conference slate for for Boise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and if they're able to beat San Jose State, be three and zero in conference, it's going to lead into my next my next little stat. Uh, Leon Rice, the head coach, his record at Taco Bell Arena is a hundred and six and twenty three. So he's got a little over an 82% winning percentage at home. So that is also another going to factor into the environment play of how, you know, just how tough it is to go into Boise and win. Yep. 106 and 23. That's, that's impressive. Mm-hmm. That's really impressive. Despite a pretty shaky record, and that's, that's putting it nicely. They've been a good defensive team this year. They're allowing less than 67 points per game. That's third in the Mountain West. For some perspective, Nevada's allowing 67.4 points per game. Again, these stats are coming into tonight. Um, so they've been pretty good defensively despite the bad record. And then, as you mentioned, they're just a tough team to beat at home. So, I, again, I'm going to say it, a big, big two-game road swing coming up for Nevada. Anything mm-hmm. else to know? Yeah, just talking about their trajectory too, like how we've how we've mentioned they started off struggling. They'll most likely be eight and eight going into the Nevada game. But under their head coach again, Leon Rice, the Broncos, I mean, they've posted three of the top five seasons in school history and three pointers made. Uh they hit they beat the school record last year. So I mean, it's gonna be one of those teams that now they're gonna be scratching and clawing, they had a rougher start, but this is gonna be right about the time start a conference play that they're really gonna be pushing. That plays into what I was gonna what I was gonna go with next. I mean, I, I said the defense has been pretty good, and you've said they've been a pretty good shooting team. But a large part of their problems right now has come on the the offensive end. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, their top scorer R.J. Williams, six seven junior guard transfer. That is, he's a big guard. Um, he's averaging thirteen point six points per game. That leads the team, and that's thirteenth in the Mountain West. Oof. So they, they don't have the guy. Mm-hmm. Right, and he is their guy. But 13.6 points per game isn't gonna terrify you, um, no. especially when when that's what what's leading the team. Uh, as a team, uh, they're averaging a little over 71 points per game. That's eighth in the Mountain West. That's pretty far down there. And field goal percentage, it's kind of a funny stat here. So they're eighth in the Mountain West in scoring, but they lead the Mountain West in field goal percentage. I don't know how that happens. Uh, yeah. They're shooting 47 percent. From the field, a large reason for it is they're having a hard time hanging on to the basketball. They have a minus 1.4 turnover per game margin. That's eighth in the Mountain West, and they're not moving the ball a ton. They're 11, little over 11 assists per game is 10th in the Mountain West. Only Wyoming is worse. Offensive issues so far uh, this year for Boise, and hopefully <laughs> that continues yeah, hopefully, on Tuesday. Hopefully, hopefully, yeah, say hopefully it keeps going. Uh, who is your favorite player on the other roster? Freshman forward Riley Abercrombie and Fitch. He, Abercrombie and Fitch, and he is also even better from Wollongong, Australia. Wollongong, Wollongong, Australia. But he actually went to high school in Houston. So we got we got he's from Wollongong, Australia. We've had someone named Wolfgang for Air Force. I still will never I will never not laugh at hearing Wolfgang. <laughs> oh, it's the best. 
Wollongong. Yeah. Wollongong is more fun to say though. That's what I'm saying. Like I, it was, I saw the name Abercrombie. I was like, oh, that's kind of funny. And then I saw the hometown. I was like, all right, that's even better. This is my guy. <laughs> but this guy, it, it doesn't sound like he plays a whole lot. Um, I actually don't even think he's seen a minute this year, but his fun fact for every Nevada fan that cares so much about Riley Abercrombie that he held offers from 15 other schools. Um, he had some other tournament participants, Iona, Northern Iowa and Richmond, but ended up choosing Boise. I, I would just see the hometown alone and he get, he gets an offer. Wollongong, <laughs> we need, we need one of those. Yep. Got it. Everybody, everybody needs a Wollongong. <laughs> I, I went with 6'4 freshman guard, Max Rice. Last name sound familiar? It is coach Leon Rice's son. And he's not just a scrub who is on the team because he's the coach's son. He, he's legit. He averaged 24 uh, points per game as a senior in high school. And that's a lot in high school. I was going to say, what type of nepotism we got going on here? Not a lot, actually, because he hasn't played a single minute this year. <laughs> but but he is he is on the roster, obviously, and it's kind of a cool deal. Because his dad is a uh, university employee, mm-hmm. he technically is a walk-on. So they don't they didn't need to use a scholarship on him. Yeah. Um, but it's not like he's a key contributor, at least not at this point. And he actually didn't get recruited that heavily out of high school. Because everyone just penciled him in, like he's going to go to Boise. Every, every, yeah, everybody just assumed he would go there. It sounds like though. So Leon Rice and Mark Few, Gonzaga's head coach, are buddies. It does sound like if if Max wanted to go to Gonzaga, he could have gone gone to Gonzaga, uh, mm. but chose to play for his dad. I we can relate to Max though on, on a couple different levels here. So his dad is his coach, and this can be news for a lot of people. Our dad was our high school principal. So he sees a lot of dad. We got to see a lot of dad grow, growing up. And also, this is my favorite part. He celebrated his verbal commitment to Boise State by doing what? You got a guess? Uh... You got nothing. He went to Red Ro- He went to Red Robin because he loves the bottomless fries. And I'm like... I, oh, I have to ce- oh to celebrate his. I thought you were. I th- okay, so I misunderstood. I thought you were talking about like how did he announce his commitment? Oh, I guess. I was like, I can kind of see that. We that's honorable mention. Something stupid we heard. <laughs> but yeah, wait. When I when I read Chalk that when I read that I thought I it's been a while since I've related so much to someone I have n- never once spoke to. Yeah. Give me those fries. Bottomless steak fries all day. That's what I'm saying. Dirty bird. Love me some Red Robin. Okay. Keys to victory in this one. I'm actually going to start this one. It's similar. I I mentioned it's going to be the same thing when this team plays on the road this year in conference play particularly. It's going to be a crazy environment. Boise is starting to get ideas. They're going to be 3-0 in Mountain West play coming to this one unless something crazy happens against San Jose State. It's going to be the same thing. Show up early. It's going to be the theme in every conference game so far this year. And Nevada right now is 0-1 in conference games, uh, starting conference games well on the road. So, again, the start, I think, is going to be vital. Make three-pointers. Mm. They shot 18% against New Mexico. Ouch. They're going to need to get some sort of spark. I'm looking at Jazz. You know, I would like to say I would lean on the Martin Twins, but Jazz has kind of been that three-point spark for the team, kind of things that gets rallied. So... I'm gonna be looking for him to make an early impression on the game. On the game, 
everyone's talking about, okay, what is this team going to do this, do to the zone? Like, how are they going to figure this out? Because it is troubling at, at this point where mm-hmm. it's going to be a third conference game. It's going to be game number 16, 17, whatever it is. And there are still times where Nevada's offense looks completely lost against the zone. Like, they've never seen it before. And yeah. it's baffling. Like, we, we know this is what they're going to throw at us defensively. And we still got to figure some things out. So for me, one of the things, I mean, they did a pretty good job, at least against New Mexico, of getting to the line. They were still way too stagnant. You beat the zone by, with ball movement, getting guys out of position, and then ultimately you do have to hit some open jumpers, and they didn't do any of that. They didn't even make free throws against New Mexico. Though. They were 16 of 27 at the free throw line. That's 59%. And I think that is just a, a symptom of the lack of focus and lack of effort that, that we saw going into that. Like, there's there's no reason that Nevada should be shooting 59% from the free throw line. So for me, I really want to see Nevada move the ball. I certainly want to see it against Fresno as well. I want to see it the re- every single game this year. Move the ball, attack the rim, and then kick out and find the open jumper. Because some of these threes that we're, that we're shooting right now are stagnant, standing around, throwing it up. And you can, t- like, when it gets shot, you're saying, no, no, that's not what we mm-hmm. want. And um, so for me, ball movement, attack the rim. Yep. Go with attack the rim. I was going to say, I want to see so many Caroline specials, so many Caroline Supremes that it seems like I'm driving a Suburban and I got everybody double buckled in the back and everybody's getting two of them. (laughs) I want to see Caroline just completely manhandle the Boise State team. And that that plays well into mine. I was going to say rebound the basketball. Boise is a pretty good rebounding team, rebounding margin. They're a little north of – plus three a game. That's fourth in the Mountain West. This is a ho-hum offense. You don't want to give them more looks on the offensive end. Don't be giving, giving them second chances. So rebound the basketball. It's an area that's – I'm surprised it's become – it's not a strength for this team right now. Mm-hmm. And, and with the length they have, you would think that they'd be a little bit better. One of the better teams in the Mountain West, that's not the case right now. That could certainly change. Uh, but I want to see them rebound the basketball. What do you got for a prediction? 76, 71, Nevada. So you got two five point wins. Um, five point win at Fresno, five point win at Boise. I, I'm a little bit more confident about this one. I think after a narrow win in a crazy environment at Fresno, teams been feeling itself a little bit. I think that's going to be a springboard win. Then you have the next two at home after this one. I got Nevada winning 79, 68. I like that. So 11 points. Like win. that, like that score. Let's jump into some slants here. For games of the weekend, this is really sad. We're down to seven football games left in the year with college football wrapping up, uh, on Monday. Super sad, by the way, to see Bama lose the way they did. You, hate, you just hate to see it. It's such a feel bad for him, you know? <laughs> yeah. I was just hoping I was going to see a, a tear shed from Saban. That's all I wanted. <laughs> He's kind of losing his mind a little bit. Do you hear? Do you hear what he said to the press when he was done? Uh. He he goes to his presser and then he says, "I really do love you guys." Oh no, I did see something about that that he said, "I love you guys" or something. His mind, his mind is literally melting. He was so mad that he just forgot who he was as a person completely, and he just told a bunch of strangers that he loves them. Like, "Uh, I I love you guys. He got nervous. I was taking it as like, cause he's, are you constantly attacks the media for not being, for not criticizing his team enough. So I was taking it more of the regard that he was saying, I love you guys. Like pretty much thank you for b- 
uh, you know, boosting my guys' egos all season. We just got lit up in the national championship because they thought they were the best team in the country all year. Yeah, that was that was bizarre. <laughs> Either way you look at it, I mean, it was just just weird from Saban. Um, so we'll jump here into to NFL betting picks last week. You're the you're the gambler on the show, and I kicked your ass last week. I went three and one. My only loss was the Ravens. You were two and two. You missed the Hawks and the Bears. And you're gonna which, tell you're gonna tell me the Hawks cover was stupid. Which, yeah, it doesn't to clarify, matter. Everybody, it doesn't matter. We, we got we got to clarify next time. This, you can't triple stamp a double stamp. You can't triple stamp a double stamp. Lloyd, if we Lloyd. if we went we went the kick line, kick line, I cover that game. We went we we bet early. It shifted a point or a point and a half, so you won because of it. It's complete baloney, but whatever. L. Let's move to this week. L. And Let's move to this. Let's I'm, move on. I'm only screaming because I'm I'm more mad at the fact the Seahawks lost because they refused to let Russell Wilson throw the football for three quarters. So let's good move on to division the division round. What'd you say? A good call, Schottenheimer. <sighs> Jesus. So this weekend, four more games starts on Saturday, one thirty. Colts at Chiefs. Chiefs. Last I saw, were a six point favorite. Who do you like? Yeah, I like Colts plus six. Ride them. I love it. We are we're already going to differ here. So I, I'm I'm taking the Chiefs. I think the Colts are that team that everyone's all excited about now. And I've I've been harping on Andrew Luck a little bit this season, saying how how good he's looked. And he looked really good last week against the Texans, at least in the first half. Not so much in the second half when the Texans turned it on. I think the Colts, the team that looks good in Wild Card Weekend, and people get really excited about and say that's the team to look out for. And then they go the next week and they lay an egg. We see it every year. I can't wait to tell you next week how big of an idiot you are for saying that that's fine so yeah, I, I got the Chiefs they had a week off the thing that scares me is that the Chiefs head coach is Andy Reid and Andy Reid in the playoffs trying to manage the clock we know how that goes and nightmare it's a nightmare and we saw defense was the story of wildcard weekend I mean there, there was some outstanding offensive I mean the Eagles last drive on site was that was heroic from Nick Holes, from Nick Foles. But their defense, Kansas City's, it stinks. Their defense stinks. I can smell it from Reno. I can smell it from Vegas. Their defense blows. So that will be interesting, interesting to see. Uh, these teams did not play in the regular season. I'm, I'm taking the Chiefs minus six though. Don't feel great about it. The second game on Saturday, Cowboys at Rams. If the Seahawks would have been in this game, we would have won this game. We played the Rams clo- twice very close, but it's Cowboys at Rams. Last I saw, Rams minus seven, five fifteen kick on Fox. Who do you like? Rams. I don't trust Dallas in the playoffs. They snuck away last week. L.A. It's funny. The Cowboys are kind of becoming that team a little bit too. Everyone's like, oh, they looked pretty good. They beat a pretty good Seahawks team. People are down on the Rams. It's still Dak Prescott, and it's still Jason Garrett. That's what I'm saying. Still Dak Prescott. Um, still Jason Jason Garrett. Everyone's selling the Rams stock because they didn't look good to end the season. Todd Gurley was banged up. I saw he was limited in practice yesterday. It sounds like they're expecting him to go. I don't trust either of these teams, really. Um, but I'll, I'll go with Sean McVay having a week or two weeks to kind of put, put some things together. I mean, he only had a week to get ready for the Cowboys. Um, but, yeah, I'm going with Sean McVay more than I am going with, with the Rams here. Chargers at Patriots on Sunday at 10:15 on CBS. Pats opening as a four and a half point favorite at home. Oh, I got it. I'm rolling Chargers. 
You want the charge. So we're going to go the same thing. I'm, I'm also going with, with, with the Chargers. They, I got the Chargers in my Super Bowl. I said the Ravens were a sneaky Super Bowl team, and they kicked their ass, save the last five minutes. Lamar Jackson finally started mm-hmm. doing stuff. Lamar Jackson looked bad last week, by the way. Yeah, um, he looked like he had no idea where he was. The Pats are legitimately nervous about this. I mean, any everyone you listen to right now will acknowledge that this is, compared to what New England typically is, this is a, one of their less talented teams. Their defense mm-hmm. also stinks. There are times when Tom Brady starts looking his age. Miss, like there was a, I don't know why it sticks out. There's a throw against Chris Hogan, week 16, wide open, and he legit threw it 10 yards over his head. Just yeah. nowhere even near. Yeah, so Gronk, Gronk needs a walker now. Gronk is a shell of himself. Philip Rivers, he ain't scared going into New England. That that dude you is hear? not scared. Have you heard any of the stuff about the weather? No. What? I, I I don't know if it's changed yet, but I heard, I think, yesterday, the day before, they're expecting three to five inches of snow during the game. Oh, really? Yeah. So oh. that could play into New England's favor. Because you got the boys coming from sunny L.A. Yeah, the, the the thing that scares me the most about this game is ultimately it's Bill Belichick versus Anthony Lynn. Yep, like that's a stark contrast. But mm-hmm. we're, we're, I did not see about the snow. Though. That's gonna be really fun. I'm stoked on that. It's like, like our yeah. first real snow. Oh, that's was... what I'm saying. Those are like those are like the fun playoff games to watch, which is dumping snow balls all over the place. But I don't know if it's changed. But that's what I was re- that's what I was hearing the other day, and I was like, that's gonna be a fun game to watch. All right, I'm stoked on that. Uh, and in the final game of the weekend, there will not be three to five inches of snow. In the Superdome in New Orleans, Eagles at Saints. Saints opened as a nine-point favorite, 140 on Fox. Who do you like? So I had trouble with this one. I originally was going to take the Eagles, and then I heard today that Sean Payton wheelbarrowed in 250000 cash with the Lombardi trophy on top and told everybody to – F word, go win the next three games if they want the money. $250,000 is is less than a game check for those dudes. So apparently that's the bonus for every player on this, on the roster if they win the Super Bowl. That's it? Is, well, it's like a, you know, those little bonuses or whatever. Yeah, but every, every, every player. So even the guy that every, even the guy that just shoots up and hasn't even, I'm going, I'm going the other way on this. If you're having to incentivize your players with cash to go win a Super Bowl, what's going on? Like you should, that should already be there. You should already have that fire. He knows that his team is terrified of Nick Foles. That's what, that's what he knows. And that's why he's bringing the cash in. And that's why I'm going with Eagles plus nine in New Orleans. I, t- I said last week, Nick, when Nick Foles in there, some weird shit goes down. That last drive against the Bears, there's no reason that drive should have happened against the Bears on the road. It's cold. It's Soldier Field. What is going on? That fourth down throw to Golden Tate. He look, yeah, he looked terrible in the first half. I mean, it was just all the stars lined up at the end, but ultimately Nick was the North Star, and he led them to win a victory. It, it was it was nuts. What, what this guy is doing, it's hard to explain. Well, and it's crazy, too, that, like, in the post game, like interviews and you know pressers and stuff, he doesn't even seem like phased by what he just did. Like, I can't remember who he was talking to after the game. He's like, "Yeah, you know, we just went out and did what we did. I played terrible." I mean, he was just super like nonchalant about. It. I'm like, dude, you just yeah. beat the best defense in the league on the road. Yeah, so I'm rolling with Nick Nick Foles. Everyone's like, "Well, did you not just see they just played each other like 
a few weeks ago. It wasn't, I don't know how long ago. It was fairly recently in New Orleans and New Orleans won that game 48 to seven. It was a bloodbath. The asterisk with that game, QB one for that game was Carson Wentz. He threw three picks yeah. in that game. Um, again, it's screaming trap. Dude, I mean, it, it's screaming something. It's funny to watch Carson Wentz on the sideline now because, like, last week he's smiling, and you know inside he's thinking, what the hell? Oh, yeah. What the hell? That he's now in contention of getting dished. He was not good this year. No, not impressive at all. All right, so I'm taking the points. You're taking the Saints. Uh, no college games this weekend, obviously. I do need to give a quick shout-out to Austin Zell. Austin won the Reno Slant Bowl Mania group. So mailed him a $25 gift card to the stick. He actually got second. So this can be our dad's second shout-out of the show because our dad did win it, and he did it in pretty convincing fashion. However, he lives in the great metropolis that is Woodland, Washington. He would have no use of a stick gift card. So we mailed that to Austin. Austin, nice work, buddy. Uh, Thomas Serdick, uh, he got third. Kyle got fourth. Fake Matt Mummy, I called him out on Twitter for stinking early up in the year. He ends up finishing fifth ahead of me. He tied with uh, Steven. Um, so there's the top five. And then for some Shouts, um, I got ninth. Aaron got 20th. Adam got last of the Shouts squad. He got 22nd out of 28 participants. So thank you to all of you who played. That was a ton of fun. It certainly makes some bowl games that you wouldn't otherwise care about a little bit more interesting. We're certainly going to do that again for March Madness. Hoping to have some bigger prizes for you guys. So keep your eyes out for that. Uh, that's going to be one of the things we certainly want to do throughout this show, um, just because it just makes some games a lot more fun. So let's go road tripping now. As I mentioned, two huge, huge road games, two game road swing coming up for Nevada, Fresno, Boise. Chad's going to tell us where we need to go in both those cities. Okay, Chad, we're, we're double dipping this week. We're at Fresno on Saturday and then at Boise on Tuesday. It's a big two-game road swing in conference play here. So let's start in Fresno. There's a couple buses heading down for strength in the pack. I don't know how much free time they'll have, but other folks making the trip. What's some advice you have for people going to the Central Valley this weekend? First of all, shout-out strength in the pack for putting that together. A couple busloads of pack fans heading down to the Valley. That's awesome that they put that together. I know the basketball team really appreciates the support down there, and it's going to be a great environment down there. Uh, at that arena. Um, the debate about food in Fresno is not where you go. Like you're going to the doghouse. Like that's it. You're going to one spot. It's the doghouse. There's no debate about that. And, and not even a debate about what type of food you're going to get at the doghouse. You're going to get the tri-tip. So, so the only debate about what you're eating at the doghouse is whether you're getting the tri-tip sandwich or whether you're getting tri-tip tacos. And, and that's all you have to figure out. Everything else is done for you. You're going to the doghouse. You're getting tri-tip. You just have to figure out whether you want the tacos or the sandwich, and I recommend just getting both at that point. I All mean, right. the, the tri-tip <laughs> at the doghouse is just absolutely fantastic. Uh, there, there's a vegetarian I know who went there and had a tri-tip, and now he eats meat. Uh, that's, that's how good it is. <laughs> Saw the um, light. <laughs> yeah, so, 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 so whatever else you've heard about Fresno, it's all second place. It's all a distant second place. The doghouse, it's part of uh, – it's actually that <clears throat> chain of restaurants is part of uh, – uh, the Firestone Grill. For anybody who's been in San Luis Obispo or down the Central Coast or knows Firestone Walker Beer, that's all the same family owns owns the brewery uh, and that chain of restaurants. Um, uh, Firestone Grill in San Luis Obispo is an amazing place. Uh, they serve the, the same tri-tip. So that's your choice in Fresno. How does the tri-tip keep? Because you, you can maybe get both and hang on to one for like the drive back or something. 
I, I will tell you this. I, I have, I have bought, uh, purchased a couple of tri-tip tacos, thrown them in a Tupperware and brought them home for my wife. And she said they were terrific. So, uh, <laughs> so, uh, I, you can't go wrong doing that either. I, sh- I should have asked you this before we came on. So if you don't have an answer for it, no big deal. But what about for people making the drive? Is there some place they should stop on the way down? Cause that's not a short drive. It's not a short drive, and uh, you guys touched on it uh, when you were uh, t- talking about football season and going down to the to the Bay Area. Yeah. Uh, in uh, in Auburn is is a great stop right there, um, right off the freeway, and, and get some pies. And uh, uh, I would I would wholeheartedly endorse that. All right, very cool. And then so we're in Fresno, we're getting tri tip. Where are we going for beers after? For a beer, one brewery that I would that I would recommend, Tioga Sequoia Brewing. Uh, they got a couple of locations there in Fresno. They got a really neat uh, tap room uh, right in downtown. Um, and if you're into if you're into chili pepper beer, and and there's a couple of good ones here in Reno. Uh, Pigeon Head makes one, and uh, Gray Basin makes uh, Chili Basa, which is a good beer too. Uh, Tioga Sequoia makes uh, makes a chili pepper beer uh, that's called Joaquin Murrieta. And it's and it's like four point eight percent, and it's a little golden ale that they put chili peppers in, and it's fantastic. Chili pepper beer, I've never had it. That sounds out there a little bit. Well, it's it's beyond your uh, your standard fare there of the silver bullet, I think. <laughs> yeah, I was asking for that. I was asking for that. All right, but before we transition to Boise, here, is there anything else people should should stop and see at, at Fresno other than the game, obviously? No, uh, and, and the arena, first of all, enjoy the arena down there. That, that's one of the good arenas, uh, in the Mountain West Conference, and it's one of the newer places, um, uh, and, and they did a good job when they built that place. And, and the doghouse, in fact, is right, right across the street, uh, from the Save Mart Center there. It's, it's a really good arena, and when it's full, it's, it's a good environment, and I, and I think fans will enjoy it down there, and, and I'm looking forward to hearing, hearing the Wolfpack chants, uh, uh, during the game there on Saturday. Yeah, hopefully enough people make the trip. It's gonna be, a wild, wild environment. I mean, Nevada's going to get used to that at some point this year. It's just going to be nuts for every road Absolutely game. Absolutely correct. Yep. All right. What, let's go to Boise now. Um, where are we getting food? Where are we getting grub in Boise? Boise, I got I got breakfast and dinner covered for you. Okay, um, now we're talking. Yeah. So two two spots for breakfast, and and uh, one of them is right in downtown. And anybody who's been to Boise, they they've got a really good downtown there. Uh, you know, a lot of cool uh, restaurants and shops and bars in their downtown area in the capital there. Uh, breakfast check out goldie's it's right in the heart of downtown um if for 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 a frame of reference for for reno folks think pegs uh it's mm. it's just big portions uh everything's really hearty and, and just good food um and then the second place that it's a little sneaky and it's a little uh outside of town it's on state street uh as you're driving north out of boise uh it's called Merritt's family restaurant and that place is an institution it's been out there for like 25 30 years and they make these homemade scones uh that that'll fill up the plate uh and it's and it's just a great greasy spoon uh Merritt's family restaurant uh on State Street uh it's probably about 15 minutes uh, out of downtown Boise the problem with doing this the slant now is we're talking about this I'm like I need to do that I need yeah, to do that. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta go. You gotta check it out. <laughs> um, all right. And then where are we getting beer at? Maybe after breakfast, but probably after dinner. Uh, downtown in Boise, like I said, uh, great downtown area. The, um, and for Northern Nevadans who, uh, who enjoy Basque, Basque food and Basque culture, uh, there's a great Basque district down there. And, uh, the place that's a big, that I'm a big fan of is called Bar Granica. Uh, it's right in the middle of, uh, of a, what's called the Basque block in, in downtown Boise. Um, you can get, you can get a, uh, you know, great, uh, lamb sandwich down there or a leg of lamb. Uh, they have a chorizo sandwich that's terrific. Uh, and, and they usually have a pretty good tap list, uh, of, of beers from Boise and from the Pacific Northwest. So Bargarnica, uh, the Basque food for, for 
folks who like fast food, that's my mm-hmm. that's my go to in downtown Boise. Awesome. A- anything else to to add to Boise? No, no, it's a good town. It's a good college town, and and uh, and that's another great arena, and that's a place that's hosted some NCAA tournaments in the past. There at uh, the the Big Chalupa, as former uh, <laughs> Reno Gazette Journal writer Steve Sned used to call it. Uh, it's, it's a good place, and uh, and it's going to be two great uh, road environments uh, for for the Wolfpack, and and hopefully we get a lot of silver and blue fans in, in the crowd there. Yep, big big road swing for certain. All right, Chad, uh, you're the man. No road tripping next week. We'll be back in two weeks. Packs coming down to my neck of the woods, coming down to Vegas, and uh, we'll do that in two weeks. Sounds good, man. Appreciate it. Love having Chad on. I heard from a number of you guys last week that you enjoyed that slant. That's going to be so much fun this year, and hopefully uh, you guys actually go to some of those spots that Chad recommends. That'd be awesome. Send us some pictures if you guys do. We'll, we'll for sure retweet those out. Let's jump into some Twitter questions now. Uh, question from Matthew. Looking forward to you guys weighing in on the upsides slash downsides of Malik Henry uh, committing to Nevada. The question remains, was his character portrayal on the Netflix show accurate of the result um, or creative editing? So Malik Henry, for those who have not heard, he was on the, the Netflix documentary Last Chance U. It, was about a, it started out, I think it was East Mississippi Community College was the first season or two then they went to independence kansas and it's basically about junior colleges guys who have had troubles in the past and they go to junior college and try to get it right and then jump back up to a power five program malik henry was the quarterback he was portrayed as a massive troublemaker got in fights with jason brown head coach all the time jason brown that dude's nuts um so my thoughts on it are that he's obviously incredibly talented he was a five-star recruit when he went to florida state originally had all sorts of problems. He's admitted that he's battled depression, and that's certainly a factor. Um, not an excuse, though, ultimately, for some of the things that he's said and done, and that's the reason that he was at Independence, Kansas, for for a couple years. That said, those documentaries, like it's their job to create a narrative and push the narrative and storylines. I doubt that it was as bad as they made it look, and I'm sure they cut out things that were good. I mean, like I said, they're trying to push a narrative. However, Malik said they did a pretty good job of <laughs> portraying what it was like. However, he has said on Twitter that like they have a good relationship and they have like a father-son dynamic. Who knows if that's actually true? Mm-hmm. Bringing more talent into the quarterback room is never a bad thing, especially when you lose someone like Ty Gange and you got to figure out who's going to be the guy now. We'll see if he can comp- compete for a start. I mean, obviously he'll compete for it. We'll see if he has yeah. if, if he does get any snaps. And I, I, we'll see if he can stick around. We'll see if he can get it together. I mean, that's going to be one of the, one of the bigger things for certain. Uh, let's keep in mind that Jay, his first recruit or first signing ever was a power five transfer in David Cornwell. And we know what happened with that. Yeah. And he's, well, he's not using up a scholarship spot too. So yeah. So I mean, there, there's, there's some people saying, yeah, what, what's the risk reward? So the, the reward is he gets it together. He wins a starting job. You have an outstanding athlete at the quarterback position now who can be – remember Cody Fajardo and how he could use his legs? Malik Henry is a better athlete than Cody Fajardo was. So think about what this offense could be with a running quarterback now with how much they like to run the ball in this air raid. The mm-hmm. the risk would be that he shows up and is toxic and creates problems. However, yep. he's not eating up a scholarship, and I'm sure it's made, made clear to him, like, you have a short leash. Like you, mm-hmm. you don't you don't get any any second chances here. You've had enough of those. 
Um, so I mean, he's got to keep well, it together. I, 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 yeah, that's it. I say go for it. I, was, I don't have a problem with yeah, it. Yeah, well, I was gonna say that's what Norvell said. Is that sometimes these guy? I think in one of those clippings, he said that you know, let's give this guy another second chance. And at that point, that's the way I look at it. No scholarship. You're literally giving him a second chance. Like you said, he's probably going to be on an extremely short leash. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, why not? And if you can tell if, if he's being toxic, it doesn't hurt anything. Say, you know, thank yep. you for thank you for coming out. Yep. Didn't work. Yep, exactly. So I, I'm excited to see him play. Spring ball is going to be a lot of fun and see what happens at the quarterback spot. Fake Matt Mummy. Why is your old man so damn good at picking bowl games? So I don't know if dad reached out to you. He told me before we started – he said, be careful of my picks. I did a bunch of research this year. Uh-huh. So I don't want to say he called his shot, but he did throw up a warning, and it paid off. He won. So it, it wasn't luck. It was, yeah, it, it was talk, legit. Talk, yeah. No, he definitely – I talked to him about what he did when I was home for Christmas, and he – I'll put it this way. It was extensive. <laughs> uh, Hannah Campbell. You spend entirely too much time in parking lots. So not a question. That's obviously a reference to, for those of you who follow me on Twitter, you know, on two, every Tuesday, I'm sitting in my car in a parking lot, and then I say, we need questions for the show, and I give a quick rundown of the show and what people can expect uh, the coming night when, it, when, it, when, we, when we publish. So the reason yeah. I do this, the reason I do that, the job I had before, well, the job I had when we launched the show, I had a lot of windshield time. Uh, so I would just record the video while I was in the car, and I would be, give me an excuse to leave the air conditioning on because it was still freaking hot down here. Now I do it. I mean, I have to walk out of the office and I go sit in my car and I record it. And then I go back into the office because my options are I could record it in the office and everyone be like, what the hell are you doing? Uh, I could wait till yeah. I come home. I guess I could do it from home. Um, but it's become my thing now. Like I, I record from a parking lot. We're a parking lot podcast. We're, we are a parking lot podcast. We need to, we say it every single week. We add one every single week. <laughs> we need to keep track of this. Um, uh, we, uh, what's my favorite parking lot? Oh boy. It's too many. I, I can't decide. There's too many good ones. Uh, Josh asks, would you rather see, this is a tough question. Would you rather see Nevada make a final four this year or the Huskies win the national championship next season? What do you got on this? Uh, oh, damn. Oh, you were going to go first. Um, uh, you know, I'm going to catch flack for this. I think I, I honestly think, oh my God. Yeah. I, I'm saying dogs national championship. I spent my whole childhood watching a dogs get destroyed and just getting made fun of for how bad they were. Yep. And yeah, I think that I, I got, I, I'm not going to defend myself anymore. I'm, that's, what I'm, that's what I'm going with. In fairness, people can't see you. You're wearing a JaVel McGee Nevada throwback jersey right now. So you got that going for you. Okay, there we go. My answer is going to surprise you on this. And here's why. Here's why I'm going this route. Because there was a time limit included in the question. Josh said, would you rather see them make the Final Four this year or the Huskies win a national championship next year? And I think, uh. I think what's way more likely is that Washington will have a chance at winning a national title two years from now, three years from now, four years from now. However, doing something like that at Nevada, like this feels like a special kind of year where you don't know where something like this is going to happen again. 
So mm-hmm. I'll say Nevada goes on a final four. I'd rather have Nevada go on a final four run this year than the Washington win the national championship next year. How about that? Fair Tony enough. asks us, what is your favorite film that was shot in Reno? The two that I like are Kingpin and The Cooler. And he included a partial list of uh, movies that have been filmed in Reno, Tahoe. Uh, what do you got here? Well, we spent this entire five, six months, however long we've been going, getting just movie shamed nearly every week. <laughs> yep. So <laughs> this one, I can't go too extensive. I saw this movie a long time ago. I have no real recollection of any of the details of the movie besides it was Whoopi Goldberg, and she had to kind of like fake being a nun, but that is Sister Act. Yeah. Yeah. So there was one included that I, didn't, that I never heard of before with Jeremy Piven, who, who has a place in Tahoe. I remember one night at Imperial. Him do, do you remember that when he came to Imperial yeah. one night and it was like it's Jeremy Piven hanging out in Imperial? What the hell? Uh, I told him to go buy me buy me a beer. He's got more money than I do. <laughs> Jeremy Piven, Ben Affleck, Ryan Reynolds, and Alicia Keys. Ooh, we're all that's in this a, movie. That's a cast. Yeah, I want to see this movie. Smoke and Aces. A lot of it was filmed at Mont Blue. Oh, up in South Lake. Yeah, up, up in South Lake. Yeah, so that would be cool. The one I'll go with though is The Misfits. That's Marilyn Monroe, solely because. I gave the Misfits a shout out that was a couple months Wait. ago in random Reno. So th- this is the Misfits second shout out on the Reno slant. So I'll, I'll go with that one. Full circle. Uh, Eric Granada. So Marcus has gotten a few shout outs on the show as like the show's unofficial dork. And mm-hmm. Eric sent us a picture of Marcus looking like a dork. So if you guys want to go check in the Reno slant mentions, you can see it. So Marcus decided to wear red to watch the UNM bloodbath with, with us. Is it safe to say it was his fault that Nevada lost? And Easily, I would, yes. I would say it's completely safe. It's absolutely fair within the lines. It's it, absolutely what happened. As someone who went to the school, he should know you don't wear red, and especially you don't wear red when you're watching a Nevada game. He doesn't know much. Love you, buddy. Sickening. Love you, buddy. Sickening. Austin. I don't. <laughs> Austin, Bull, uh, Bull Mania champ. Is it going to be the Mountain West dullest conference season? Not counting today, so this was yesterday, Tuesday, there have been two games decided by single digits and 11 by double digits, including UNLV's win at New Mexico last night. That was nice. Holy hangover for New Mexico. Um, at that rate, we can expect 14 single-digit games and 75 double-digit games over the regular season. I think it's an anomaly. The Mountain West is always yeah. going to be – you got tough games on the road between travel schedule um, – no, I, I don't expect this to be a lame season. I expect it to be pretty competitive, actually. Who's going to step up and be the team behind Nevada? Maybe somebody even joins Nevada's ranks. I mean, UNLV is 3-0 and right now out of nowhere. Um, talk about Fresno looking pretty good. So, no, I, I think it's still going to be a fun season regardless. Still looks like Mount West is going to be a one-bid league, unfortunately, or conference, unfortunately. Blake asks us, if you could have any guest on the show, who would it be? That's a good question. SP- I like this one. Yeah, I'm going SVP. His show, I don't, I don't watch ESPN a whole lot, but I still try and watch, um, watch his segment. It's, I mean, it's just fun. He's entertaining. He always makes, I mean, you can tell he's a genuine guy. Obviously, he was, you know, as sad as the story is, the Tyler, the Tyler Trent, the mm-hmm. Purdue fan. But I saw he was at his funeral, so he, he's just a guy that cares. He's a guy that cares, and he's a guy that just gets it. Uh-huh. He just he just gets it. There are all the sportscasters, 
And then there's SVP. He's literally in his own league. That's why he can make Sports Center work. No one can make it work anymore, but he can make it work. His the bad beats thing segment. It's the best segment on TV right now. I I -hmm. cut the cord a while ago, but I do have the app. I watch Sports Center. I watched it football season almost every Monday night, almost solely so I could watch bad beats. It is hilarious. So funny. So SVP is a good one. Mm -hmm. The two I'm going to go with, and I've kind of answered this question before, people asking what podcast we like listening to. I, I, I'm going to go with two here, and I'm going to go with Bill Simmons, and I'm going to go with Ryan Rosillo. Ryan Rosillo is also a dude who just gets it, uh, incredibly smart, really level-headed. Uh, it's crazy to think about that him and SVP used to have a radio show together. If they could make something like that mm-hmm. happen again, like if they had a podcast together – my mind explodes thinking about the potential of that yeah. podcast. I mean, everyone would listen to that. Um, oh yeah. So I'll, I'll go Ryan Rosillo. Um, he's got a good podcast right now on, on the ringer. Um, dual threat, that thing is called. And then Bill Simmons. Um, Bill Simmons is great because he's incredibly smart. He's like the most, he's so relatable. He's like a, just the common guy. At least that's the way he talks. He'll talk to anyone like he's just talking to a buddy. He's a little bit more of a neurotic fan, opposed to like SVP and Rosello are, are are very level headed. He he's mm-hmm. a little bit more neurotic, especially when it comes to to his Boston team. So that's kind of fun. That also makes him a little bit more relatable. Um, and he's just like, yeah, an icon. I mean, he literally got fired from ESPN because he got bigger. He got bigger than ESPN, and said basically started saying screw you guys all over the place. Yeah, I want to do what I want to do. And look what he turned the ringer into. That thing's mm-hmm. a beast now. So I got two honorable mentions. Dick Vitale or Jay Billis. I just thought of those guys. Jay Billis would be good. You're not getting tired of Dick Vitale's shtick. Oh, come on. Oh, come oh, on, baby. baby. He's a high rider. He's a devil daddy. Effort, baby. That's what you like to see out of a nice 19, 20-year-old. They're putting in the work. I mean, he, he's got his thing and it works. No. But like, I'm not going to sit here and say, like, when D- Dick Vitale's on a game, I get super excited now. Well, Dick Vitale, he's one of those guys you can handle in – and burst. I can handle them, you know, 15, 15 minutes, but if I got a whole day of dick vitale, I'm going to have, I'm going to need to take some ibuprofen before I go to bed. Are you serious? <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> All right. Some good questions from you guys. Thank you for, for sending those Twitter questions in. I uh, love getting those from you guys. What do we got for random Reno? This is for all you uh, geography people out there that. I'm guessing there's none of you out there, but (laughs) the Truckee River runs through Reno, obviously. It is the only river in the West that runs from West to East and from South to North. The river goes obviously from Lake Tahoe to Pyramid Lake and never empties into another river nor ocean. I actually didn't know that. I didn't, well, I probably could have figured that out. That's fascinating, actually. It's kind of weird how it goes from kind of I mean, you're going lake to lake, but, you know, most rivers go from inland to the ocean, let, right. you know, let everything out. But, yeah, I started thinking about that. I was like, ah, this is actually kind of a little different. Wow. That's a good one. The more you know. My random Reno, going pop culture here, Drive Slow by Kanye West. Drive Slow, homie. That music video was filmed partially in Reno. Uh, it was also filmed on Fremont Street, but in the music video, you can see the Reno Arch, you can see the Silver Legacy, you can see El Dorado, you can see the Calneva. Um, so the thought of, 
it's funny. Like Kanye West, drive slow, homie. Driving down Virginia Street. <laughs> no place else I'd want to be. Well, he's getting yelled at by a homeless person camped out under the arch. <laughs> who, he, who, who he asked for not buying him an awful awful or something. I, I'm not driving slow anymore. We're getting out of here. <laughs> <laughs> and we are getting out of here. That's our show this week. Thank you to every single one of you for listening. The show continues to grow every single week, and we're so grateful for all of you, truthfully. Uh, we could not be more happy with the direction this podcast is, gro- is going. Thank you to Kevin Sweeney of CBB Central for coming on the show. Some great stuff from him. Make sure you check out his work. Follow him on Twitter or listen to his podcast. Thank you to MW, the tax lawyer, for the five-star iTunes review of the week. And please, if you haven't listened to or haven't left an iTunes review yet, it would mean a lot if you could do that, get in the running for the iTunes review of the week. Those are really helpful as this show continues to grow. Thank you to Chad Hartley for taking us road tripping to Fresno and Boise. Some really good recommendations from him. You can follow us on Twitter at Shop Adam, at Shop Nathan, at the Reno Slant. You can also email us as always, the Reno Slant at gmail.com. One last plug. Make sure you visit our, pe- our page on lawthejunglenv.com. Uh, everything you need to know about the podcast. It's a great website, a one-stop shop for all of your Nevada content, whether it's local guys, national guys, uh, a really cool podcast in Reno, the Reno Slant. It's all there. Um, so check out the webpage there. Uh, Tip-off Saturday at Fresno, 5 p.m. on ESPN2. And then on Tuesday at Boise, uh, 6 o'clock on CBS Sports. Hoping that we're coming to you guys next week with a couple huge, huge road wins. Have a great weekend. Go Pack. Thanks for listening to the Reno Slant, the podcast for Northern Nevada sports fans. Until next time, and we're still not talking about the Loyalist Chicago tournament game.